It's the second hour of Sports Talk here on News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie, delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Good afternoon again, everybody. Welcome to the show. The second hour of Monday Night Sports Talk moves to the first hour on this Labor Day. Glad to have you with us, if you're with us. We've got three in the studio, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and yours truly. Scott Ritchie has the evening off, and uh, we're still talking about the Indiana game. We're talking about the Virginia game coming up, and whatever else might be on everybody's mind. 217-356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to join us. Matthew, how are you on this Labor Day? You're laboring, I see. Uh, yeah, I'm fine, though. I didn't have as uh, bad a night as... You guys did coming back from from Bloomington about uh, four a.m. I believe uh, on on Saturday morning. So uh, I made it home by about twelve thirty a.m. on, on Saturday. I'm on. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, I know you got I kids. Know. Yes, I bet you got up at like probably early, and then we get home. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, dogs woke me up a little bit early, but uh, yeah, rough Friday, rough late Friday night for uh, for Illinois football and. Uh, t- trying to turn the page uh, doesn't get any easier though this Saturday with Virginia coming to uh, to Champaign and maybe a bit surprisingly Illinois is the early favorite in the ball game by four and a half points according to what I looked at yeah and like Bob uh, Bob wrote about uh, those odds makers sure know what they're doing because they they got right it on. right on right with on. Uh, Illinois Indiana so maybe they know something we don't um maybe they they think that when Illinois faced with the you know first and goal situation that they get some points off of it instead of getting denied on a fourth and goal maybe the they know the defense won't falter late uh, and and let Virginia drive 75 yards in a minute 53 to to win the game like the Hoosiers did Friday night i don't know i mean <sighs> It's so hard to kind of wrap your finger around this Illinois football team of what to expect, especially playing a quality team like Virginia, especially a team that last year, for a lot of people, they're going to think of this game and they're going to think of the 42-14 beatdown that the Cavaliers put on Illinois, a game that really wasn't all that close in in Charlottesville. And Virginia's quarterback, Brendan Armstrong, who picked apart Illinois last year, he's back. I know they have a new head coach in in Tony Elliott. Uh, He replaced Bronco Mendenhall, but still – it's a it's a tough one to sit here on a late Monday afternoon and confidently say you know exactly what's going to happen come come Saturday afternoon. At Armstrong uh, riddled the Illinois defense for five hundred rather that rather two hundred and four hundred five <laughs> yards and five touchdown passes. Yeah, the left hander certainly, uh, or the southpaw uh, as Lauren likes to call him, uh, certainly riddled Ryan Walters' defense last season, and and that was I mean. I know Ryan Walters has gotten a lot of praise, and, and rightfully so. Uh, and, and I think what Bob wrote last uh, Friday before the end of the game was spot on. And, and from him talking to uh, you know Dan Hawkins, the guy he played with at Colorado, he thinks Ryan Walters is going to be head coach someday, and I kind of agree with him. And the confidence that Brett Bielema has in him with awarding a significant salary raise even before mm-hmm. last season was up, 
that whole conversation really wasn't happening last year after the Virginia game because no. I, if you th- I mean they they changed everything exactly right they said we, this isn't working we got to do something different and then Kirby Joseph went crazy the rest of the year and had a great year mm-hmm. but yes you're right they were looking horrible and that team is back I don't understand the point spread I understand how point spreads work mm-hmm. so you're trying to get equal money on each team that's what you're trying to do so maybe four and a half is the word is but I would think. Virginia, but they have they're all uh, they haven't played a FBS team yet. Right. I think that's a big part of it. Well, the Illinois defense the other night, except for <laughs> the last less than a minute, mm-hmm. played very well. They dominated that game. They did. I mean, they made Connor Basilek what uh, he kind of was at the end of his Missouri career, just an inconsistent quarter quarterback. And until that final drive, uh, I think you had to feel pretty pretty good about Illinois' chances, and, and I know a lot of people have focused in on, on the Brian Hightower uh, controversial replay review where he clearly caught the ball for a touchdown and re- later reversed and said it wasn't, and then obviously kind of the play calling there in the second half when they had a first and goal situation instead of trying to get the points, because if you if you kick a field goal that Caleb Griffin did, and he came up clutch too. Uh, right. I mean, good he, day for him. 48-yard field goal there late, lots of pressure. You'd have to think you would make kind of a chip shot there. Then they're sitting at 23-16. Then even if Indiana does go down and score, okay, maybe they go for two. Maybe Illinois blocks the extra point like Florida State did to beat LSU Sunday night. I'm sure fans of Brian Kelly hated to see that. But just the fact that they had all these opportunities, and yet <clears throat> for a lot of Illinois fans, there's still kind of this feeling of fatigue of, man, they they just let another one kind of slip it's kind away. Of, here we go again kind of thing. Exactly, and, and that's kind of the – I'm sure that's something that Brett Bielema and his staff are, are struggling with. And, yes, Illinois won some close games last year. The, the nine-overtime game at Penn State comes to mind. The the win at Minnesota, 14-6. to On the flip side, though, they lost a ton of close games last year. This is the fifth – the Indiana game on Friday was the fifth loss by a touchdown or less in Brett Bielema's tenure. Oh, I, let's clarify this. You're going to count the UTSA game. True. Which in my graphic for tomorrow, I don't. Okay. I say I have seven or less. Okay. So um, I don't count that game. I'm doing a thing for mm-hmm. tomorrow, which not to spoil this paper or anything, but <laughs> I'm going to do kind of a look at his games after a close loss. Mm-hmm. Touchdown touch less, both at Arkansas, Wisconsin, and of course here. Mm-hmm. And he's done, he usually bounces back pretty well, to his credit. Their teams generally come back the next game and win. I think last year, if you don't count UTSA, mm-hmm. I think they won two of the three games after losses, close losses. Mm-hmm. As so. he does every Monday, Brett Bielma at a noon uh, press conference. He talked about several things. We'll have uh, some of his comments here on uh, that uh, loss Friday night, the late Friday night in Bloomington. This dead air brought to you by Marcel Marceau. <laughs> <That's right. coughs> We're gonna try the that late again. Marcel Marceau. Guys, to our staff, that you know penalties. We were an eight to three disadvantage. Um, mental errors. Obviously, I don't know how many they committed, but I know many how many we did. Uh, and in the, in the biggest one for me, turnover margin. Uh, we were minus two. So. 
those things are part of the process um, uh, that that I, I want them to understand and for our coaches to understand how we call a game, how we recruit, how we build, how we practices based on winning those three areas or doing our best to do it. And if we strike out in all three, uh, it's going to be very hard for us to have success. So I think as a staple for us as we move forward, you can always kind of look at those margins and, and have a great indication of where the game's going to go. Um, I didn't lose sight of uh, it was the second game of their second season. Um, obviously, I wanted to win it as bad as anybody. Uh, I think our guys uh, have really challenged themselves, something I've been talking about since last spring to where we are today. Uh, to not only practice, but practice with the expectation to win. And I don't think there's anybody uh, that can say that our guys didn't go over there with the expectation to win, the way they battled through and persevered uh, through a tough couple moments that worked against us, right? Sometimes things go your way, sometimes they don't. Um, but, you know, we had a situation last week where Julian Pearl basically got hurt in the middle of a practice on a Thursday, which is our lightest practice day. Uh, we immediately popped Isaiah Adams out to left tackle, uh, took Jordan Slaughter, who had really been repping at right guard with, with – uh, uh, with Zai, move those guys over to left tackle, new position, left guard, new position. And uh, the way those guys performed for 90-plus snaps was pretty incredible. Um, obviously, it wasn't clean, but to think about their entire week of preparation went into different positions and to play that way I thought was really good. Can't lose sight of uh, two guys, kind of two different ends of the spectrum, but uh, Chase Brown just continues to impress me with who he is, what he is, what he represents, the way he competes. Obviously got hit with a, a tough play, tough, uh, tough hit, and, and – uh, came back even tougher than ever. Brian Hightower uh, just continues to uh, show me on a daily basis uh, how much improvement he's made since we've walked in and, and, and the, 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 the attitude he carries. Chase Brown, 199 yards, 36 carries. Really, that's That part, the yards obviously is a great thing. The carries is a problem, mm-hmm. and, and they know that. They, you cannot give that guy the ball. That, he wants it that many mm-hmm. times, I'm sure. But... 25, they should put like a pitch count. <laughs> he should he should not be allowed to carry the ball more. Once you get to 25, just say, you're done. I'm sorry, he's a really good player. And I'm sure he wants to carry the ball every time he can. But he's not as effective. At, on carry 36, as on carry 20, 25. It's just not possible. Yeah, you'd have to think too, I mean, going back to what I said earlier about if Illinois would have tried to kick the field goal there and instead of going for it, and if the game were to go to overtime, he gets... You know, four, five, six, seven, who knows how many more carries. I mean, he had two games last year, uh, both road wins at Penn State and at Minnesota, where he topped 30 carries. But again, and Brett Bielema addressed this late Friday night slash early Saturday morning, depending what time zone you were in, uh, the fact that they can't do that. And I know Barry Lenny Jr., the offensive coordinator, kind of doubled down on that this afternoon as well. And, And that's true. I mean, he's got 55 carries. On the year already, you'd have to think he'd be in the 20 to 25 ballpark against right. Virginia on Saturday, and that's considered a good day for him, too. And, and the fact, too, is I'm sure they want to get him involved in the passing game more. I mean, you think back to the Wyoming game, the first touchdown of Illinois season was a touchdown pass to Chase Brown. And to me, that's where he can really kind of set himself apart uh, if he has – I know he has goals and aspirations to play in the NFL, but if we make it a realistic chance, he's going to have to show he can catch some passes. So you add in you know, three to four passes a game for him – that can add up very quickly. To get that done, though, you got to find somebody that can carry it eight or ten times. Exactly. Somebody else. And that, I think, kind of really put the the glaring spotlight on how much Josh McCray is going to be yeah. missed yeah, he in, in September. You know, that, that short yardage thing, yes. he would have gotten the ball. He mm-hmm. would have scored. It's kind of not no question that happened. So that cost him. But the injuries are part of the deal. Getting back to uh, uh, Chase Brown, mm-hmm. I saw, Steve, you probably saw this too, 
We saw Robert Holcomb one time carry the ball, I think 52 times. Yep. Gets Minnesota. Mm -hmm. 52 times. So imagine this will double the 26 they should be carrying. It's like, wow. That was not a very good team. <laughs> no, he. I think he gained 300 yards, too. Yeah. So it was a good day. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Chase Brown could do that. He could carry the ball 52 times, but the next game he'd probably be wiped out. I think he'll be back this week. The good thing for them, and I'm sure they're looking at this, they got a basically a 10-day window after Virginia. Mm-hmm. They'll come back. They'll have a Thursday game the following week. So Chase Brown can probably go a little bit further this week than maybe would be normally because of the – but the open, open week, <laughs> I almost said it. That's all right. Open week between games. And, and also, too, they do get an extra day to, to prep for Virginia playing the Friday night game, right. although it's not that significant in, in the grand scheme of things. But still, it's what, however, how much rest, however much rest you can give uh, Chase Brown is, is needed at this point. One thing, Steve, I thought you, and you will think this too, the, uh, the celebration penalties. I got two things on that. First of all, it sh- shouldn't be a penalty. Mm-hmm. He should be able to celebrate. It should be fun. But if the penalty is there, if there is a rule that you can't do this or this or this, this then if you're Illinois, you're so, your margin of error is so small, you cannot make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And Coach Bielema expressed his concerns about that today. All the coaches did. they got to fix that. they got to tell guys, listen, I know you're excited. I don't blame you. Come on the sidelines. Celebrate all you want there. Mm-hmm. On the field, no, you can't do that. You hate to take away enthusiasm because that's great. So the game is so much fun, but you can't let a guy cost you 15 yards. I, I'm thinking they had a couple of players the other day that were just it just kills you. For you your got team. you got to act like you've been there. Like, yeah, act like you're here. I just made a play that I'm. Mm-hmm. They've got me in the lineup to make. Mm-hmm. Right, I do this all the time. There's no need to. to well, get, and, and you know it comes back to maybe. And again, we're not privy to what goes on at Illinois football practices at all, but maybe no. that's something they put into the script of practice. Say, hey, we're going to make a big play here. You know, Ryan Johnson or uh, Donovan Leary, you're going to throw an interception here at this point, and you're going to go have a return, and you're going to go hand the ball to the official or student right. manager or whatever. That so might it, be so going it's, on. It's, so it's, so it's ingrained in them yeah. so that when you're out there – like they were on a Friday night in front of 44,000 people and adrenaline's coursing through you and all the TV cameras are on you and everything like that, then it just becomes second nature to just give the ball to the official because it's become an issue for the right. first two games for Illinois. And it shouldn't It shouldn't be. I'll say again, <clears throat> those rules are stupid. I agree. I totally stupid. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Because once you get to the next level, you can literally do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, pretty much. I mean, you can jump in the, in the stands. You can do a bunch of things. Here, for some reason, you can't do this in college. For some reason, you've got four years to not have fun. 523 is the time. This is Monday Night Sports Talk, hour number two. In uh, hour number on one. Hour <laughs> number one on this Labor Day afternoon. By the way, coming up next week, uh, the guys return to the Esquire <clears throat> in yeah. downtown Champaign. We'll be there five uh, to six next week. Looking forward to it. Uh, start uh, about a nine-month run there at, at the Esquire. got some... Uh, Pretty good guests uh, already lined up that uh, you know we're eager and looking forward to having out at the popular downtown Champagne establishment. We'll take a break here at uh, 524. Back with more after this. Monday Night Sports Talk continues here on DWS. We're headed towards 5 o'clock. That's the White Sox baseball coming your way at 5. Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, yours truly Steve Kelly. With you until that hour, phone line is open, 
Cardinals are playing as we speak, trailing the Washington Nationals yeah, by a score. You and, you and Bob can dominate the next uh, three or four minutes. Oh, so you got to watch Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols just stepped in the batter's box, and uh, I'm half paying attention to what's going on. The Nationals uh, lead this ball game in the bottom of the fourth, one nothing. Of course, Pujols hit the uh, dramatic home run yesterday to win that uh, game and sweep the series over the Cubs. A pinch hit. Uh, Home run. There's, that uh, scenario is becoming common. Yeah, and, and uh, credit to the Cubs for having their left-handed pitcher throw to Albert Pujols because he's simply just uh, obliterating uh, left-handed pitchers uh, this season. But just uh, an extraordinary moment uh, just to add to it, too. And the fact that it was his last at-bat against the Cubs, a team that he's tormented for so much of his career. And just the fact that he's hitting the way he is this season and he's ending it on such a a positive note. It's just uh, it's a really cool historic moment to to watch it all unfold. Nolan Arenado was trying to talk him <coughs> into coming back next year. Yeah, I don't. I, Which I, I was happy to hear Nolan say that because I was kind of worried about whether Nolan would be back next year. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> uh, he's got the opt out. My heart just stopped a bit because Bulls just hit one into the second deck foul though. But uh, thought for a minute that might uh, go out. But uh, yeah, I, every indication, though, is this is his final season in, in St. Louis. And, and you have to think there's no really better way for this to end than, than what it is right now. The Cardinals are firmly in control in, in the NL Central. And uh, he's you know one home run away from tying Alex Rodriguez, two from passing it, five from 700 career home runs, which he may end up getting. He's still is there a, anybody outside of the Rodriguez family that uh, <laughs> no. is rooting for him? Oh, to no, <laughs> not at all. In fact, maybe even there are. <laughs> I, I'm assuming they are. They, yeah, that's it's really cool. I don't. I think he'd be a great clubhouse presence for another year. I think he, if he wants to be involved with the team, obviously he can. He could do literally whatever he wants, sort of be a manager, and maybe even manager at some point. Whatever he wants to do, I think they should ask him back. But I don't think coming back and playing another year makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, no, no home run for him in this point. He just he just flat out to left there. But uh, yeah, it, it's he's 42 years old. He'll be 43 next season. Obviously, his career is prolonged because of the designated hitter, and he's really kind of seemed to have rejuvenated yeah. himself this season. But I agree with what Bob said too. Just the presence that he brings in the, in the oh. clubhouse and the dugout. I mean, Lars Newtbar, you saw him yesterday in the dugout after. Uh, his home run, he was so enthusiastic and fired up. And just the the fact that Albert really seems to kind of be enjoying himself is is one of the cooler moments of this, too, because you think from 2001 to 11, he had all that success. He was, you know, nicknamed the machine for just the way he went about it. But he also kind of was grumpy at times and didn't really seem to enjoy it. And he seems to just be enjoying and, and relishing everything about uh, this final season. And, and I think it's just, again, it's just so cool to watch. If I was a young guy there, he would have to tell me to get lost. Right. Because I'd be, I'd be right behind him every it's, step of the of way. Of course. So cool. I have to think he's willing to share, too. He is, yeah. And that's a great thing. I think all, all those players are getting toward the end of their careers. Everything they can do that make things better for the young guys is going to help the game. And I think they all value that part. Back to Illinois football. There's a home game coming up on Saturday. The first home game didn't go so well. As yep. far as uh, it's true. getting fans. That's fine for me. I was in there easy. <laughs> <laughs> I had no trouble. Yeah, we were all there plenty of time, but uh, a lot of the fans weren't. Uh, they made some changes to enhance the experience. Right. Um, there's a, a list of things they've done differently. Your best bet to find out what the, those are 
is go to fightingillini.com. Matt can highlight some of that stuff. But uh, yeah, I think I think the main takeaways from today's announcement from the DA is uh, that at the five portal entrances around Memorial Stadium, they're going to have additional scanners are going to be assigned, and security bag checks will be separated. Uh, from the lines to help the the flow of the crowd Makes move, sense. move through fast. And there's going to be signage that's going to direct them to the correct lines. Um, they're also going to put additional water stations that will be available to aid in less congestion at the primary concession stands. So people, they can bring uh, plastic clear water bottles into the game. They can then refill them at these stations. So hope, I think the hope for that Sorry. is that it clogs down some of the lines at, at the concession stand as well. And Kind of a big takeaway, too, is show up earlier. Exactly. That's just, not just, hard. Just get there. And you're, you're, it's not the like the people are there. Yeah. They're just not uh, working their way in. Well, and, and one thing I think that maybe, again, this was all just brought about last week after the Wyoming game, is just the fact that they open, uh, the general public can get into Memorial Stadium 90 minutes before kickoff. Why not just make that like two hours? Right. Just let the gates open two hours. They let, the, they let people in premium seating in two hours. Just make that. You're not going to yep. have everyone right. show up two hours before kick. Because, I mean, I can speak from just having covered the team. You know, even sitting in the press box two, three hours before the game, you're just kind of biding time, talking to people, things like that. It's not like you're going to get a great experience sitting there two hours, but it just gives them an option to open it up and help with the the flow of people because the thing is too is Memorial Stadium is one of the smaller Big Ten venues but yeah toward the yeah and and the crowds haven't been coming out so who's to say later in the year let's say Michigan State Purdue if Illinois rolling if they can get this thing turned in a positive direction the crowds increase I mean what's right. what's like going to be like exactly like that. that's that's the thing so I don't know they we'll, we'll, get we'll see right. how it goes yeah. They got to get better. I think it's good they acknowledge they had a problem, mm-hmm. and it's good they've got some got some solutions internal. But I I don't also think, and I'm not going to be critical of the fans because no. they pay the money. They should mm-hmm. be able to do whether if you want to come in half an hour before the game starts, sounds <coughs> fine. You should do that, but just don't be don't be surprised if you can't get in quite a quite quite a way, and that's mm-hmm. okay. I'll be there three hours early. <laughs> I'll be I will be there. Saturday by noon because I hate traffic. I hate crowds. Yeah, I get there I, about the same time. I'm pacing around like, okay, let's play the game. Let's start. Yeah, it's <laughs> not going to happen. I, I don't know about you, Steve. This is probably a sports writer thing. I so much prefer 11 a.m. games <laughs> so do I. to everything else. I think for I think for Matt's benefit, as a, he's trying to put the paper together, the game's 11. He knows our stuff's in <coughs> pretty early. Oh, yeah. But if the game's at 3, we're kind of – Hopefully getting done as soon as you can, but it's just they're sooner now. Seven o'clock champagne time kickoff like last week, not so good. Yeah, especially when games go about four hours or so, like they they do today. You know the way Indiana came out with that, uh, you know, no huddle stuff, the 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 hurry up stuff. I said this game may go fast. (laughs) Yeah, and then after the third quarter, it was already three hours plus (laughs) old. Yeah, I'm thinking. Well, the the thing that really boils it down, and and again, I just get this experience from not being at the game, but just watching it on TV or listening to the calls. Just the what really gets it bogged down is uh, either a penalties or b. This is the main culprit. I feel is is just the reviews uh, of all the various situations that unfold throughout a game. Yeah, those add up quite often, and and that's why you're seeing college football games last three and a half, 
four hours in, in some cases. And yeah. the three-minute uh, TV commercial break. That doesn't help either. Yeah. yeah that's that, but that's that, you got to have those. I mm-hmm. did it. Was, speaking of officials, which we weren't, uh, Bri- <laughs> I just thought of it. I don't want to forget. Brian Banks mm-hmm. from Champaign. I've written about him. Mm-hmm. I wrote a story for yep. Matt for the sports several years ago. He's He was the referee now, I think, in Nebraska-North Dakota game. Okay. He was a referee. And so that's the guy making the calls. Mm-hmm. Clear to me, he's going to be in the NFL probably soon. He's got good uh, family ties there. Correct. So I thought that was kind of cool. Sam Banks, of course, mm-hmm. uh, is right. his dad. And, yeah, he's uh, moved up quite a, quite oh well in the Quick. last few years. Quickly. So first uh, week of uh, everybody in the Big Ten pretty much playing, except Northwestern, the, the, they didn't play in the right. week one after playing in week zero. Any surprises there? Uh, obviously, the the big game on the uh, DACA was the Saturday night game in right. Columbus. And that was not as high scoring no. as I would have expected. Notre Dame was laden, what, 10-7 mm-hmm. fairly early? Mm-hmm. So they, play, they played well. I think they held up pretty well. I didn't drop, I'm not going to drop them very <coughs> far in the poll, uh, four or five spots. They have to drop some. But uh, I think Ohio State's, their defense, which we sort of thought might be better, is going to be a lot better. Which gives them a chance, in my mind, to they should go twelve and zero. Honestly, it's early yet, but uh, all the yeah. teams in the Big Ten East are one and zero. Yep. And the uh, three losses that uh, the Big Ten has are in the West: Nebraska, Illinois, right. and Purdue. Right, and then uh, except for well, they're all the other Big Ten teams. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, kind of have a. Well, I think Ohio State shows yes that. Obviously, folks like high-scoring, entertaining football games, but sometimes football still can be pretty fun to watch, even right. when it is a 21-10 to 10 game, and you've got two marquee programs like that playing under the lights at the Horseshoe, and you add in Marcus Freeman's return to his alma mater. And I, I, I think Marcus Freeman is going to be a very good coach. Oh, he definitely. He still has to win a game yet. Uh, right. They lost the bowl game, right. uh, the Fiesta Bowl to Oklahoma State last year. Yeah, get, a game they, they should have won. Actually. Exactly. They, yep. get, they get Marshall uh, this week. You'd have to think that would be the first first win for him at, at Notre Dame. But uh, Ohio State, just with their improved defense, and you add in the fact that their top wide receiver didn't play either, and, and C.J. Stroud is still going to put up massive numbers this season. They're to me, they're clearly the the team to beat. And if Michigan can keep rolling like it is, that just adds to the intrigue in, in the Big Ten. The top twenty-five um, <coughs> did what? Pretty much was expected. Twenty yeah. wins and four losses so far. Clemson plays tonight. Right, they'll they'll win. Yeah, played Georgia Tech, which lost one of their best players to Alabama. So twenty-one and four. That'd be pretty good. And yeah, that it's not going to be a lot of movement. I'm going to add a couple teams this week that weren't in Florida. A big win to me against mm-hmm. Utah. So they got to go in. You drop Cincinnati out. I well, I'll keep them in toward the bottom because okay. that's a t- that's a tough loss to Arkansas. It is. And then I think. Uh, I'm going to drop Iowa out. Yeah, what's what's going on with your son's alma mater, Bob? Well, they're struggling offensively. And apparently the fans in Iowa are not fond of the offense. And they let them know it and boo a lot. They boo all the time. It's like, wow, because they love the defense. The defense mm-hmm. is good. The def- defense wants... They won Saturday 4-3. That's right. They got two, two safeties against the field goal. For South Dakota State, South Dakota State is a really good mm-hmm. FCS school. Really good. They'll be a playoff team, probably mm-hmm. go w- way deep into the playoffs. But Iowa at home should beat that team team by fifty. So I don't think that's a problem. Well, that's like the worst nightmare for every Power Five team that schedules an FCS program is what happened at Iowa right. on Saturday. Is the fact that 
you could potentially lose a game to an FCS program, and also, too, you don't really win any style points when people see that you had two safeties and a field goal to right. account for a 7-3 win. It doesn't do me do much good for the Iowa. 541, we'll take a break. We'll be back with more on Monday Night Sports Talk after this. <coughs> Welcome back to the show. We're with you until 5 o'clock tonight. We've got White Sox baseball on the air at that time with Matt Daniels and Bob Osmussen. I'm Steve Kelly. Scott Ritchie is not laboring on Labor Day. He labored a little earlier today. He, he wrote a he wrote a story that'll be in tomorrow's paper about the uh, Good for him. Illinois running backs. Good. And uh, getting uh, Chase Brown some help. Yeah, that was kind of the theme <laughs> of that and making sure that Chase Brown doesn't carry the ball 36 times. Uh, I think if that happens, Lauren might go out there and try to tackle him against Virginia. Well, I'm, I'm guessing that won't work too well, but you never know. Lauren's kind of... Uh, he wants to move the students at Memorial Stadium. I I, right. I I completely agree with him. Glad you brought this up because Bob, I thought, wrote a really good piece uh, last in last Thursday's paper about the uh, the overall fan experience and things like that. And I had never really considered it until I, I saw the words in print. Uh, the fact that move the students away from the north end zone, right? Put them somewhere else. Well, one question I have: if if you do that, mm-hmm, yeah, who, who are you going to put in the north end zone? Is that going to be mm-hmm. just bare the whole time? Uh, no, that's like that's like bonus horseshoe. So you make those the inexpensive seats because they're not the greatest seats. I th- I, th- I like the horseshoe, but I think that's like a secondary horseshoe. So you have the kind of low cost. Or or do you make it <clears throat> kind of like premium type seating in the north end zone and spruce it up a little bit? Yeah, who wants put to some sweets out there? They got sweets in the Indiana. end zone in Indiana. Yeah, but I, when I saw when I saw that, I was like, well, who wants to sit in the well, end zone? Don't they, don't they have? And I haven't been to a game in four or five years at Memorial Stadium. Don't they have like? Didn't they make a big deal about a like student type patio in the north end zone? Where yeah, I think it's there, but it's I just don't think you know you want the students out watching the game. The last you thing want you want them doing is having hanging out behind the stands. You want them in the in the main grandstand. It makes no sense not yeah, to have them. Yeah, but if you there. put them between the say, the, I, I was looking at it today when I was over there. Mm-hmm. If you put them between the twenty and the thirty, right, that'd be on, awesome on the visitor side. Yeah, then you're going to be moving some people that are paying for those seats. Well, but there's plenty. There's good seats available there. They're not selling all. all I, I get that. So you got you got plenty of room to move people. You apologize, you maybe give them a discount for a year or two, and they'll 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 come back. But I think the main thing there is, if I'm the coach, I'm with that loud crowd behind the visitor, making making their life miserable, mm-hmm. and they don't have that right now. And the students deserve that that kind of. They came. They showed up in force for the Wyoming game. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to. They did. So give them a reason to come. Well, Brett, Maybe like basketball. Brett would know that better than anybody else, being an Iowa guy. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, those you know, students and, and the fans and in general helps. are right there. It helps, as long as you're not making them mad at your own team. <laughs> that part is bad. You know, Iowa students are booing their team right now because the offenses are bad. But generally, yes, you're right. You want that? You want to make it hard for the opponent. Why wouldn't you do that? So I think they'll think about that. They'll think about it. It won't be a, something that'll do mid-season or no, anything like no. that. It would have to be an, an off-season. Well, and I think I think if you're f- from the DA perspective, I think what they will be concerned about is kind of what you brought up, Steve, is the fact that even if they were to do that in the future, and again, there's been no talks of doing this at all. This is just kind of our own speculation and opinion on this. Is that you are going to have to misplay? You're going to have to some season ticket holders that are going to be displaced and 
some of them probably won't be happy about that. And I think that's probably what the DIA, if they were to ever do that, would probably consider very strongly. Back to the Indiana game, uh, we talked about how well the defense played until that last right, really last good. minute. And uh, how many times though have you seen the prevent defense oh. do anything but? Yeah, and I, really, we had written about uh, Ryan Walters uh, for mm-hmm. Friday's paper, and he was doing a great job. I, I was that was almost out of the character for me. I think I consider him kind of aggressive guy, mm-hmm. kind of a guy that kind of sends it. I don't think I'm not sure he wanted to do that. I'm not sure why he did it, but did, it never works. It always fails, and did that. So, and the really funny thing is, if they had a seven-point cushion, we wouldn't be talking about it. Right. Here's what uh, Ryan Walters had to say today about that last drive. I thought we uh, got a little bit um, tentative, a little bit cautious. Um, you know, and 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 some of the techniques we play with was kind of un- uncharacteristic. There, um, I got to do a better uh, job though of, of calming us down in those situations and. Um, you know, mixing up some calls to kind of get us settled in. Um, and then they just, they executed, you know what I mean? We, uh, and, and we didn't, you know, I was, after we had made that field goal and, we, and went up four, you know, I knew two minute drive was coming. I was, you know, I think everybody to a man was confident on the sideline. Uh, we just came up short, you know, they, they all competed us that, that last, that last uh, drive. I, I, like I said, I got to do a better job from a schematic standpoint and preparing our guys and, um, being being ready and for that for that moment, um, you know, wish we could have that one back for sure. But uh, like I said, we we've, we've learned from it. We watched it that that whole series as a as a defense, and um, I think are better for it now because of it. You know, there's a lot of talk going into that game uh, about improvement from game one to game two, and uh, I suppose you could see that in some areas, with the exception of not getting a win. Right now, maybe you take that step between game two and game three. Maybe and. Uh, special teams, at least part of it, mm-hmm. were better, except Caleb punting. Mm-hmm. Caleb Griffin played great, mm-hmm. but punting mm-hmm. was a struggle. They didn't have to get the kick returns they had the previous week. So there are there's some pluses and minuses. I think Indiana might, might, have, might want to give them some credit, too. They were ready. They needed to win the game probably as desperately as Illinois, maybe more. So it was a big deal for them. And they... To their credit, they hung in there. Their quarterback, to me, was not very good. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to win eight games, but they might be win four. They'd be better than last year. How do you feel Tommy DeVito did, Bob? Fine. <laughs> Fine. He had, he had a pick that was bad. Mm-hmm. Other than the pick, I don't think he did much wrong. So, Are you still kind of waiting for him to kind of uh, – he almost seems almost like a game manager. Yeah, I don't, know what I don't know what he's being asked to do. Mm-hmm. I think they'll, they'll get more comfortable with him. I don't see him throwing the, the ball down the field a lot. I'd like to see that more mm-hmm. because that will loosen up the defense. Mm-hmm. So, But I think he's fine. He seems pretty well poised. Mm-hmm. He had more pressure on him than he had the previous game, which was none. So that was a problem. I think basically Indiana laid out a blueprint for other opposing defenses. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and go after Illinois' quarterback. They got to get something in the the arsenal to not allow teams to key on Chase Brown right. inside the five. Whether it be Devito running the ball, little, maybe little um, pass option kind of situation. He he picked up a couple of uh, first downs earlier in the ball game, or something else to to throw in there to make it not so obvious he, what Illinois is going to do. You know what John McAvick would do? You remember this too, mm-hmm. Steve. He would throw the ball to the tight end. Yeah. It'd be first and goal of the three, 
the ball would go to the tight end, and he'd be wide open, he'd be so open, open it would be, make you sick. So, yes, I think you got to make that varied. Again, got to realize but Barry Leonard Jr. is kind of feeling his way here. Mm-hmm. This is his first time as a coordinator in the Power Five. Mm-hmm. There are some things that are going to be different. He's he's going to be better next game than he was last game, the game after that, than he was this game. So give him some time to get used to his guys. But I think they got some things they got to do. His old team almost pulled the upset, didn't they? That was awesome. Yeah, I... I was kind of rooting to see what happened there. Houston's pretty good team, yeah. top 25 team, and should have beat them. Bob, I always kind of push back on this narrative, especially in early September with Illinois football, though it's, it's probably true. Is the Virginia game, is that a must-win game for Illinois if, if you want to get to that six-win path to, to get to a bowl berth? It's not a must. It mm-hmm. would be helpful Mm-hmm. Because I I think most people would have thought three one for Illinois at the start of the year would be good. Mm-hmm. So that to do that now you got to beat Virginia. So I mean, that Vance point is, this goes this is a different way of asking the same question. But <laughs> is it Brett Bielma's biggest game to date? Well, yeah, at Illinois. Oh, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's no question because if he gets to two and one, he's going to get to three one, and he goes he's going to Wisconsin at three and one. Is that right? The yeah, that's right. The game mm-hmm. is Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. That'd be a p- pretty big deal. And you go up there, and who knows? They're not. They're not great. So you never know. You never know. We go back to 2007. We didn't see that coming when it came in, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, that was kind of cool. Five minutes before five o'clock, we need to take one final break. Back after this. Got about a minute left here on uh, Monday Night Sports Talk as we move towards the 5 o'clock hour. Thanks for uh, being with us. Shout out to two former Illini golfers, Nick Hardy, Thomas Dietry. They both uh, earned their PGA cards by finishing in the top 25 on the Corn Ferry Tour. That's good. They're both getting back on the PGA Tour. Now, what's coming up in the News Gazette? Tomorrow? Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, Illinois football coverage, also high school coverage. we got our uh, next volleyball top 10 uh, poll that comes out. Also, our continuing weekly series on Muhammad Seymour football, the, the program, a season with Muhammad Seymour football. Kyle Nikas takes a look at uh, head coach John Atkins and his family and how they kind of navigate the uh, chaotic fall. Uh, so a lot of high school sports and Illinois coverage coming up this week. What you working on, Bob? Whatever Matt tells me. No, no. He's column, got I got a column. And yeah. then another column. Yeah. And another column, column and another column. A couple days yeah. off. You'll, ma- you'll make something up. Whatever whatever we come up with. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be We just kind of go with the flow, Steve. Correct. All right, guys. Thanks. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Steve. Again, uh, next Monday, this show will be at the Esquire, mm-hmm. downtown Champaign, 5 to 6, Monday Night Sports Talk, hour number 2, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. For the guys, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Happy Labor Day.